0: Lord, this life is really hard sometimes. The trials we go through are intense. And Lord, also there is such joy in our lives and good times and hope-filled times. Lord, we're here as a church this morning to say no matter what we go through in this world, no matter what we experience in our lives, in our church, in our families, we declare that your name is blessed. And we will love you and we will serve you and we will follow you all the way to the end. God, thank you for being such a beautiful God who loves us in our weaknesses. You loved us in our sin, Lord. This is why we bless your name, not just because you created us, but because you redeemed us, Lord. In that sinful state, you came into this world with a broken body hanging on a tree. You died for us. <laughs> Lord, your name is blessed. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We love you, Lord. Would you help us now to receive the truths of your word? Would you help, help us to transition now, Lord, as we think about ways To not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Renew our minds, Lord, we pray. If you desire that, church, if you want that, say amen with me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, good, church. Well, go ahead and take a seat, everybody. Thank you, worship team, for that. Well, let's continue our series, Dare to be Different, church, and let's... Uh, contemplate this great truth from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let me as well welcome all of you who are online watching right now. We are studying what it means to be different, we are studying what it means to be not like the world. We are exploring. What it might look like to be obedient to Romans twelve two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do you have that verse memorized yet, church? Is that your battle cry yet for 2021? I hope that it is. I've been trying to recite that every morning, every morning as I wake up. Here's my life, Lord. It's a living sacrifice for you. Help me to not be transformed by this world, but, but not be trans- conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I've been praying that each day. And as we're daring to be different, you know, just a quick review here. We've dared to be kingdom minded, to submit fully to Jesus as king. We've dared to be truthful. We've dared to be loving. Today, I dare you, Harvest Decatur, I dare you to be identified with Christ. That's where we're going today. I dare you to be identified with Christ. I read a stat this last week that 91% of Americans agree with this statement. Everybody listening? 91 Americans, 91% of Americans, not 91 Americans, 91% of Americans agree with this statement. The best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. The best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. In other words, if you want to discover who you are and what your purpose is, just Look inside of yourself. You know, trust your gut, trust your heart. And I'm sure you've heard these kind of statements before. You be you, right? You do you. You live your truth. You can be anything you want to be. Just look inside of yourself. Just look inside of you and self-actualize. Now, all of that sounds great. It's the kind of stuff that gets you pumped up. But there's a danger in living your life that way, and nobody ever tells you about that. Here's the danger. If you try to find your identity by what's inside of you, you might sometime down the road be disappointed in what you find inside of you and in what you're trying to live out. You might find out that what's inside of you isn't a solid foundation to build your life upon or to build your identity upon. I'll give you three reasons. There's three reasons you can't look inside of yourself to find your identity. The first reason is because what's inside of you is unstable. And I'm not just talking about the deranged people in this world. I mean, what's inside of you right now is unstable. And here's what I mean by that. If you look inside of yourself like I look inside of me, the, the things that you have inside of you, those desires are inconsistent. So... For example, you know, you, you want to be phenomenally successful in your career, but you also want to get married and have a great family life. You want to have lots of kids, but then you also want to make a lot of money. And, and you want to travel the world and have lots of vacation, but you also want to be really, really, really successful. Don't you realize that those things are inconsistent? You can't have it all, no matter what people might say. You can have it all. You can't have it all. You want to live in a small town because it's safe and comfortable, and your kids can go out safely, but then you want to imbibe the urban energy of the city. You want it all, and you can't have it all. Your desires inside of you are unstable, and they're inconsistent. Here's the way that Francis Spufford says it. He says, you are a being whose wants make no sense. They don't harmonize your desires deep down are discordantly arranged so that you want truly to possess and you want truly not to possess at the same time you are equipped. You eventually will realize for farce and tragedy much more than you are for happy endings. Thanks a lot, Pastor Tony. That's really cheery. You never hear that at a graduation ceremony when people are telling you, you be, you just be, you just do, you just do your thing. The point is that the feelings inside of you, those desires are unstable. And they're, they're, they're jumbled in your mind. They're constantly in flux. And if you build your identity and your hopes and your dreams on what's inside of you, you will live a life that's confused and frustrated. Here's a second problem with this. These aren't in your notes, okay? These, these, are, <laughs> these are my pre-point points, okay? What's inside of you is unstable. It's also deceitful, what's inside of you. I read a book this last week, week by Trevin Wax called Rethinking Yourself, The Power of Looking Up Before You Look In. And I just want to encourage you, every person in this room who's under 40 years old, you need to read that book. It's going to really help you, I think, discern the false narratives that are in our world right now. Here's what Trevin Wax writes He says a recent survey shows 86% of Americans when asked about finding happiness agree with this statement. To be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire most. Here's the key to happiness. Look inside and find yourself. Figure it out. What you desire most. And then find fulfillment in life by pursuing those desires. Go for it. Whatever you want. Never give up. But here's the problem with that. Your desires inside of you aren't trustworthy. Looking into your heart to discover your deepest desires isn't as easy as you think it is. Your desires will trick you. Follow your heart, we say, but we can find case after case where people say their hearts led them astray. What about the drug addict whose only desire is for that next fix, and that's killing him? Should he just follow his heart? What about the adulteress who wants to cheat on her husband and walk away from her family? That's her deepest desire inside. Should she just follow her heart? Here's the thing, and they never tell you this at graduation ceremonies when they're talking about this. Sometimes when you look inside of yourself, when you look deep inside of yourself, you know what you find? You find sin. <laughs> you, you find hatefulness. You find selfishness. Is that the real you? Is that the real you? Yeah. I mean, there's some good stuff too. You're made in the image of God, but you find that stuff too. So which is the real you? What is it? How do you find it? I think there are some people in our world that whatever's inside of you, no matter what, it just let it out, let it out, let it go. I'm not so sure that's the best way to approach purpose, life, your identity. What's inside of you is unstable. What's inside of you is deceitful. Here's another problem. Finding your identity by looking inside of you is oftentimes crushing. And I think we do this to our kids when we say, hey kids, you know, you can do anything you want to do. You know, just chase your dreams. You can be anything you want to be when you grow up. Well, I'll just tell you and I'll tell your kids, if your kid is five foot four, 130 pounds, soaking wet, he cannot play professional football, okay? He cannot. And I, it's a crushing thing to give somebody this, this idea, like, you can do this. If, I'll say it this way, and I'll just personalize it a little bit. If you're not mechanically inclined, you cannot be a mechanical engineer. I know. I tried. It didn't work. And if, and if you think, you know, if I, I just achieve anything I want to do, if you go to your dreams, if you go to that, and you don't find what you're looking for, it's crushing. It's a crushing defeat. And you know what? That's not even the worst thing. You know what the worst thing in this life is? Is when you chase your dreams. You go after them and you find them. And you get them and you achieve them. And at the end of it, you're like, that wasn't all it was cracked up to be. What do I do now? Like, I thought this was the end all be all of life. It's kind of, I don't know, anticlimactic getting to my achievements and my dreams. There's a great scene in the movie Chariots of Fire. Where Harold Abrams, the sprinter, he turns to his girlfriend and he says, When that gun goes off, the race starts. When that gun goes off, I've got 10 seconds to justify my existence in this world. I've got 10 seconds to justify my existence in this world. How many people have tried to acquire meaning in their lives by something like that? And what do you do if you don't succeed? Where do you go with it after you don't succeed? And then what if you do succeed and then you realize that the success that you sought after so long doesn't bring the kind of satisfaction that you wanted in your life? Even if you succeed in that, you fail. You fail. Is everybody now thoroughly depressed? Everybody depressed this morning? You're like, Pastor Tony, it's freezing cold outside. It's pretty cold in here. You're just making us more depressed. What are you doing this morning? What if I told you there's a better way? What if I told you there's a better way to derive your identity, a more stable way, a way that's not crushing, but that's actually invigorating for who you are as a person? There is a better way. And it's finding your identity in Christ Jesus, your Savior. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Harvesticator, we're going to talk about your true identity. What is your true identity as a Christian? One question, four answers. Here we go. Here's the first. What is your true identity, Christian? You are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God, church. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Memorize that verse and have it on the tip of your tongue when you're struggling with identity. That's where you start. I am a derivative being. I am a created being. God created me. And he created me in his image. Psalm 100 verse 3, know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now this is true, I know the question there says, as a Christian, this is true for all human beings, not just Christians. We'll drill down more specifically on Christians in just a second, but this is true for all human beings. We are all made in the image of God, and I, I'll just say this, it is both humbling and exhilarating that we are made in the image of God. It's humbling because we realize we're created, we, we have a creator, we, are, you know, we don't self-actualize our own reality, like God created us. God gave us reality. So it's humbling in that way, but it's also exhilarating because when you look out on the world, when you look out on the animal kingdom and you see this, this vast beauty that God created, all these wonderful animals, you see the beauty of the peacock and you see the majesty of the Siberian tiger, when you see the complexity of the duck-billed platypus and when you see the durability of of a, of a penguin or a whale or an African elephant. We see these animals and we praise God for them. But you know what else we say? When we see the animal kingdom, we say they ain't got nothing on us. We are the ones that God created in his image. And it's, it's exhilarating to think that, even though at the same time it's humbling because we don't, we don't self-actualize. We don't identify ourselves. We are identified by God. We are created by God and you know what? There is something that's really comforting about that. Instead of crushing, we go to God and we say, you created me. You know who I am. You know how I work best. You tell me who I am. You tell me what I was meant for. That is so much better than trying to have to figure it out on my own or trying to, trying to derive meaning myself. We can go to the creator. There's great comfort in that. That takes a lot of stress out of your life. You don't have to self-actualize. You can go to the source of who you are, your creator, to understand your identity in this world. Not only are you made in the image of God, Christians, go ahead and write this down. This is number two. What's your true identity as a Christian? This, Unlike the first one, this is only true of Christians. So if you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, this is true of you in a way that is not true of an unbeliever. You are a child of God. You are made in the image of God. And you are a child of God. John chapter one, verse 12, but to all who did receive Jesus, but to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, y'all believe in Jesus, y'all followers of Jesus Christ this morning. Come on now, y'all cold, move around. Let's go now. We got any believers this morning in Jesus Christ. Come on. All of you who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave you the right to become children of God. That's who you are. That's your identity. Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We looked at this not that long ago. Romans 8.14. What a great passage of scripture. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that, he, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When you get saved, let me be clear about this. I, f- I feel like it's important to clarify this often. When you get saved, Christian, when you give your life to the Lord, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And that's a signal that you belong to the Lord. That's, that's a signal that you belong to him. He owns you. You are a child of God. And that spirit bears witness to that fact. I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you, the Holy Spirit says, you are mine. You are, you are a child of God. And nothing will ever change that. You might say, Pastor Tony, I'm, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican, Pastor Tony. Okay? I'm an American, Pastor Tony. Good. Me too. I'm Illinoisan, Pastor Tony. That's who I am. That's my identity. I'm black. I'm white. I'm Hispanic. I'm, I'm Asian. I'm introverted, Pastor Tony. I'm extroverted, Pastor Tony. That's who I am. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian, Pastor Tony. I'm not a veg, vegetarian, Pastor Tony. That's who I am. That's my identity. I'm a teacher. I'm an engineer. I'm a cop. I'm a nurse. I'm a stay at home mom. I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a husband. I'm a grandfather. I'm a grandmother. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm an elder in the church. I'm a deacon here. I'm a volunteer at Harvest Decatur. I serve on the worship team. That's who I am, Pastor Tony. Good, 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 good. Good, 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 good. I'm disabled, Pastor Tony. I'm diabetic, Pastor Tony. I'm a veteran. I'm valedictorian of my high school. I'm a five on the Enneagram test, Pastor Tony. I'm a nine. I'm an ESTJ. I'm a simple person. I'm a complicated person. I'm a wide eyed optimist. I'm a pessimist. That's just who I am. Listen, before you are any of those things, everybody listening? Before you are any of those things, you are a child of God based on your faith in Jesus Christ that has to be supreme over everything else that you are. That has to be supreme. Before you are any of those other things, you are a child of God. And if you get that messed up, you will live a disordered life. If you put something over that, you will live a disordered life. And why would you find your identity in anything else except for that, in light of what Christ Jesus has done for you? Do you, know, do you know why identity politics is so dangerous in our world right now? It's because people who buy into that don't have anything else that becomes their identity. They don't derive their essence from their creator, and that's unstable. If you're a Democrat or a Republican, before you are a child of God, you are unstable. You know that? Because what happens when your person doesn't get in the White House? You lose it! If you are a parent before you are a child of God, what happens when your kids let you down? You lose it. You lose it. If you find your idea I, I, identity in parenting over the child of God first... What happens when you find your identity in being married and then your spouse dies? What happens when you find your identity in your professional success and then you lose your job? Go ahead and write these down. Let me give you a few fake IDs that people build their lives on. Here's the first. I've touched on this already. Finding my identity in myself. We dealt with this already. You be you. You be. You do you. Live your truth. I self-identify as this. I self-identify as that. Me, 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 me. Don't people get tired of themselves after a while? Don't you look inside and yourself and you think, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something other than this. Does anybody else have that sense? You look inside of yourself You say, God, I hope you're real because this is not much. I hope you're out there. I hope you can give me something beyond what's inside here. And praise God he does. C.S. Lewis said this. You can read this on the screen. He said, God designed the human machine to run on himself. God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel for our spirits. Our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way. Here's a second fake ID, finding my identity and my accomplishments. Find my identity and my accomplishment. The problem with that is that very few people actually accomplish what they set out to accomplish. Do you know how many little kids want to be president when they grow up? you know how many presidents we've had? you know what the chances are that you'll be president? Like pretty much nil. And, and even if you accomplish your accomplishments, I touched on this already. Even if Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl, okay? 50 years from now, he might be happy about that. I did everything that I wanted to do. According to scientists, in about a billion years, this whole planet's going to burn up and it's going to be meaningless anyway. You want to build your life on that? Is, is that where you're going to find your identity? By the way, that's a secular understanding of our world in science. That's not a, We will not burn up in this world. We will go on to live forever. I'm going to build my life on that. If I have any accomplishment in this life, it's what I'm doing on that, that impacts eternity. Here's another fake ID, finding my identity in my dreams. Finding my identity in my dreams. Chase those rainbows, baby. Chase those rainbows. Reminds me of that song from The Sound of Music. Great movie, great musical. Climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow till you find your dream. Y'all remember that? That was sung by a nun, ironically. I'll just let you in on a little thing about something about your pastor. Okay, when I was a kid in my household, I didn't listen to Backstreet Boys. I didn't listen to In I didn't listen to New Kids on the Block. My mom wouldn't let us listen to that. Okay, you know what we listened to? We listened to contemporary Christian music. We listened to Michael W. Smith and Rich Mullins and Amy Grant and all of that. And for whatever reason, we also listened to Simon and Garfunkel. I don't know how that got in there. <laughs> so we were like, contemporary Christian music, but Simon and Garfunkel's okay. That's what we're allowed to listen to. And I, I'm not ashamed of that. That was my childhood. And my musical soulmate when I was a kid was Rich Mullins. He died when I was a teenager but I loved his music, and, and there was a song that he used to sing that stuck in my soul, and I haven't been able to shake it. For 30 years, I haven't been able to shake it. It's a song called Maker of Noses, and it goes like this. This is, this is Rich Mullen satirizing contemporary wisdom in his day, and this is 20 years ago. They say, boy, you just follow your heart, but my heart just led me into my chest. They said, follow your nose. But the direction changed every time I went and turned my head. And they said, boy, you just follow your dreams. But my dreams were only misty notions. I used to listen to that song. I used to argue with Rich Mullins. No, no, Rich. My my dreams are real. I'm going to be an NBA player someday. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to chase my dreams. I'm going to chase those rainbows. Then you get a little older. You tear your ACL Get a few dreams dashed against the rocks. Your dreams change to more meaningful things. And you think to yourself, our dreams are misty notions. Why would we build our life upon those? And then Rich sings this. And this, this has been the heart cry of my life. But the father of hearts... And the maker of noses and the giver of dreams. He's the one I have chosen. And I will follow him. Here's another. Don't don't if you're younger than eighteen years old in this room, just just hear me on this, okay? Maybe I can be to you what Rich Mullins was to me. Don't build your identity on your dreams or on the fulfillment of your dreams. Build your identity on the Lord. Here's another fake ID. Finding my identity and my culture. In her excellent book, Enough About Me, Jen Oshman, she writes this. You can read this on the screen. Great book. She says, culture tells us the remedy for our burnout is more me time. What we need is more rest, more quiet time, alone, a nicer luxury vehicle that can block out all the stress of the world. Possibly a nanny or a cleaning lady to help us balance it all. Don't amen that, anybody. More wine, more coffee, therapy, medicine, more self-talk. Get your tribe, get your people together. Get your mom, to remind you that you are enough. And you can do this. But I propose that we need to go back to the beginning. We need to remember who we are and whose we are. How were we created and by whom? God says, I made you in my image to live for my glory. Culture says, be self-made. In whatever image you like and live for your own glory. This is a countercultural calling and it's killing us. Be careful that you don't imbibe your identity from the culture. And and even as I grew up as a Christian kid, even as Christians, we struggle with this sometimes. Which we, that's, that's why Paul says in Romans twelve, two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is one of the ways that we need to renew our minds. Finally, here's a Another fake ID. Finding my identity in social my sociopolitical group. Finding my identity in my sociopolitical group. Gay, bi, straight, trans, LGBTQ+, black, white, non-white, liberal, conservative, progressive, libertarian, blue-collar, white-collar, suburban, urban, rural, wasp, non-wasp. Finding your identity in these things and then weaponizing them to punish people who don't like that is not what's going to help our country. And that's not going to help what ails our soul. Don't find your identity in those things. Enough about fake IDs. Let's let's drill down a little bit deeper on our true identity as Christians. Go ahead and write this down as number three in your notes. You are made in the image of God. Harvesticator, you are a child of God. Thirdly, here's a third true identity for you. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a follower. Brad Herman said it last night in his second point, godly men seek after Christ. Godly men seek after Christ. Godly women seek after Christ too. We're Jesus followers. And we should... You know, just etymologically, you should intuit that from the word Christian. You're a Christian. You're a christ DN. You follow Christ. That's the essence of it. We think Christian is just some box you check when the Census Bureau comes to your house. No, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it best. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus said, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Jesus went to his first disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know what they did? They dropped their nets and they followed him. It's that simple. I think my favorite illustration of this, my favorite example of this in the New Testament is with Matthew. Here's Matthew, this this hated tax collector. Jesus goes up to him. And Matthew records this in his gospel. He says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to Matthew, follow me. And he rose and followed him. <laughs> it's all very unceremonious, you know. Follow me. All right. I'm following you. And that was the end of it. This, this sinner, this tax collector. And later when Jesus was questioned about calling this sinner, you know, this tax collector, Jesus, I love, this is one of my favorite statements of Jesus. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. <laughs> you might say, I'm a sinner, Pastor Tony. Good, good. That means you qualify. Jesus only calls sinners. Jesus only saves sinners. Matthew was one of Jesus' first disciples, and Jesus called these other disciples to come follow him. And then you know what he told to his disciples? You know what he says at the end of the book of Matthew? He says, you go make other disciples. You're my disciple. Now make more disciples, not of you, but of me. Make more disciples of me. Go out there and do that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, And the Son and the Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Part of being a follower of Jesus, part of being a disciple is being a learner. Because you've got to teach. You've got to learn in such a way that you can teach other people what it means to follow Jesus. All of you are called to that. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now here's the thing about following Jesus. Let me be clear about this. I've touched on this already a little bit, but let me just emphasize it a little bit more. Your following of Jesus, your identity as a child of God needs to trump everything else in your life. It needs to be the utmost thing in your life. And you cannot be silent about that. You cannot be silent. You have got to speak about it. You cannot half-heartedly follow a king. If you follow a king and give allegiance to some other person on the side or some other thing on the side, that is treason. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus said, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father, and his mother, and his wife, and his children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And to that, you might say, yikes, that is, that is a high calling. But if you look at that passage in detail and you study the best commentators who talk about this, pastor, this passage, you come to find out the real point of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying with some pretty characteristic cultural language and some Hebrew figures of speech, that nothing in your life can be prioritized above Jesus. That's the point. Jesus is supreme in terms of your commitment. You've got to put him first. You've got to surrender to him first above all else. And I, I know how this sounds. This goes so far against our individualized Western societies. You know, we compartmentalize. we got our Jesus thing over here. And then we got our, our other identity over here. we got another identity over here. Just kind of mix them all together. Pick which one we want to go with. Jesus says, you can't do that. I have to be the utmost priority in your life. You've got to surrender to me as a disciple, to a teacher. And Jesus also says, not only do you have to prioritize him, he also says, you can't be silent about me. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. If you deny me, whew, I'll deny you. Hey, Pastor Tony, I'm a secret Christian. I'm one of those secret Christians. Don't tell anybody. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a purple unicorn, okay? I'm the abominable snowman if you're a secret Christian. There's no such thing as secret Christians. A Christian is... A Christian who follows Jesus, who knows Jesus, talks about it. He professes, she professes faith. And, and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you talk about it? Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died for you so that you could be saved from your sins, so that you could follow him. Why would you not profess that to the world? Why would you be ashamed of that or be secretive about it? I'm secretive. And here's a final statement about your identity. This last one might hurt your feelings a little bit. Okay, so brace yourself. You're made in the image of God. You're a child of God. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And finally, you are a sheep. If there wasn't COVID going on right now, I'd have you turn to your neighbor and say, bah. You are a sheep. If you ever start struggling with your identity, can I just encourage you to do something? Go and read John 10. Go and read where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Anchor your identity in that. I'm a sheep, (laughs) I belong to the great shepherd. We see in John chapter 10, Jesus was talking to a group of Pharisees and he said this. You can read this on the screen. Or you can turn there. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Later in that same passage in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Two things, two reasons you want to be a sheep, okay? The first reason is because Jesus knows you by name and he calls you. You want to be a sheep because Jesus knows you by name and he calls you. And the second reason is because the great shepherd, the good shepherd Jesus Christ died for you. First of all, Jesus says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them. You need someone to call you by name. You need somebody outside of yourself to say, you don't know who you are. I know who you are. Trust the shepherd. Let me tell you you are. I'm going to call you by name. Let me me just say a few things about sheep here. Okay. Sheep because sheep, sheep get a bad rap. They do as dumb and yeah, they, they are. I mean, Maybe compared to like horses and dolphins and stuff and other mammals, but they're not. That's not really the point here. When Jesus uses that image, and that image, by the way, goes all the way back to the Old Testament, Psalm twenty-three: "The Lord is my shepherd; he makes me lie down in green sh- pastures," etc., etc. And this is a this is a pres- precious image that goes all the way back to the Old Testament: the shepherd and the sheep. God is our shepherd; we are the sheep, and it's good. And when 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 God uses that image of shepherd and sheep, he's not trying to say that we're dumb. He's not trying to say, you know what he's trying to say about us? We're not self-sufficient. We're vulnerable. We need help from the outside. What are sheep? They're the most vulnerable animals out there. That's why they got domesticated so early on and became part of like families. People were taking care of them because they were vulnerable and inept at taking care of themselves. They needed the shepherd to come in and take care of them. Here's another thing about sheep. I think I've shared this before. Sheep are not like cats. Sheep are like dogs. When you call their name, they come to you. They know, you know, you go to a shepherd, you go to a rural place where sheep are still being cared for. The shepherd knows them by name and calls them by that name and they come. They come. You need somebody to name you. You need somebody to call you. And Jesus knows your name and he calls you. Sonny and I, we went a few years back. We went to Turks and Caicos for vacation and we preached at a church down there. And while we were there, the, the worship team sang this old song that I hadn't heard in years. And it's, it's a great song. He knows my name. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. We, we sang this song. And this is so moving to think that Jesus knows who I am. No, no king in this world, no president, no the political leaders, of, they don't know who I am. Jesus knows who I am and he calls me by name. That's the idea that's being conveyed here. And I will tell you this this goes so far against what our world wants to think of itself. You know, you're a sheep. Just go see how that works with most people in this world. You're a sheep. You're a sheep. You come become a Christian, you'll be a sheep. What? What are they gonna say? I'm I'm the shepherd. I'm not a sheep. I am the captain of my own soul. I am the master of my own fate. I determine myself. I self-actualize. Individualism, right? Express, that's what our world does. You do you. You find yourself. You got to be true to yourself, whatever that means. You got to self-express. You got to self-discover. That's the opposite of the sheep. Expressive individualism. Here's what I found out, okay? Let me just... If you haven't experienced this yourself, let me just speak of my own testimony. I've gone that route. I've tried expressive individualism. I've tried to self-determine and self-actualize. I've tried to chase my dreams. I've tried to be master of my own soul, captain of my own fate. Can I just tell you what I want right now? I'm 42 years old. I just want to be a sheep. I just want to be a sheep. I just want to be known by my great shepherd, Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. I don't want to self-actualize I just want to be a sheep. Tim Keller says this. You can read this on the screen. He says, only if you have the esteem of someone you esteem will you have self-esteem. To know that God loves you. The Lord of the universe loves you. That is the most powerful basis for a stable identity in this world. And to think, not only does the God of the universe love us, not only did Jesus call us, but he, he died for us. He died for us. Jesus loves you. Jesus called you. Jesus died for you. Jesus owns you. Jesus is your great shepherd, church. Find your identity in that. Find your identity in him. Find your identity in being one of Jesus's sheep. Let me close with this. Tommy Nelson, pastor, tells this great story about this one time in his life when he met his hero, the person that he admired more than any other human person in the world. He met Tom Landry. Do you all know who that is? Old Dallas Cowboys coach from eighties, from the 80s, 70s and 80s. His great hero, Tommy Nelson. So I went up to Tom Landry and saw him one day and he introduced himself and he said, "I, you know, he's got palms that are sweaty and he's kind of cracking his voice. Hi, uh, I'm Tommy Nelson. Introducing himself to Tom Landry, this great hero of his. Tom Landry turns to him and he says, Tommy Nelson, I know your name. I know who you are. Tommy Nelson heard that and he, he felt like he died and went to heaven. Tom Landry knows who I am. He knows my name. You know, I had a similar experience when I was 18 years old. I, I met Rich Mullins right before he died. And I, you know, he didn't remember my name. He didn't know me. He didn't even remember the songs he wrote. He's, but he, he spent time with me and he talked with me. He signed some autographs and we spent some time together. Rich Mullins, Rich Mullins, he knows me. Look, Rich Mullins didn't die on a cross for my sins. And Tom Landry didn't die on a cross for Tommy Nelson's sins. Jesus Christ knows you by name, and he loves you. And he died for you. He died for you. And he didn't die for good people trying to do their best, mostly good. He died for sinners. Sinners. He was the sinless shepherd, great shepherd, that died for us to save us from our sins. He knows your name. Find your identity in him, Harvesticator. Find your identity in that. Let's pray together and then we can sing. Spell with me.